I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi there! Welcome to History in Retrograde. This is the podcast where we use the ancient art of astrology to help us better understand the past. I'm your co-host, Chandler O'Quinn, and joining me live via satellite is my mom! Hi, Mom! Hi, Chandler! How are you? I'm doing very well. Are you ready to begin another grand experiment? I am. I'm ready. Let's go! All right, let's give it a whirl. Let's give it a whirl. Welcome to the first week of 2024, everybody. Happy to have you here. So glad you stopped in to give it a listen. And we're very, very excited to start this new year, 2024. How about you, Jamie? Absolutely. Happy New Year to everyone. If you are listening to this at the time that it comes out, it is the first Friday of 2024. And we'd uh, like to welcome you all to a brand new year. There's going to be all sorts of fun things uh, happening. Uh, and uh, actually, uh, we're going to take a little look and see what might be happening this year, because we are doing things again a little differently uh, this time around. Uh, we are going to take a look at uh, the uh, ephemeris, uh, that is the uh, records of all of the planets and their movements for thousands of years going uh, back into history. And uh, we're going to take a look at especially those ones past the asteroid belt that take a long time. Uh, they also happen to be some of the most powerful planets. So we're going to take a look and see uh, when the last time Jupiter and Saturn and Uranus and Neptune and Pluto were uh, all in the same same sort of positions that they are going to be this year in 2024, and uh, we'll talk to you a little bit about uh, where they are and what that means, and then uh, I'll talk to you about what was going on uh, the last time these major planets were in the same position that they will be in this upcoming year. Uh, so uh, we have already uh, made our journey past the asteroid belt, and we are starting with the first one uh, past that belt, which is Jupiter. Uh, so, Mom, uh, when was the last time Jupiter was in the same position that it's going to be uh, during this year in 2024? Uh, the last time Jupiter was in Taurus and Gemini was in 2012. Jupiter takes about 12 years to make a full, complete circle into uh, a sign. And so we definitely have um, Jupiter in Taurus. Okay, let me come over here. 
and look at what I've got to see. Okay, so, okay, here we have 2024, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and here we have 2012, okay? Yes. All right, so January of 2012, uh, Jupiter was at zero degrees Taurus. January of 2024, Jupiter is at five degrees Taurus. And it has just gone direct. If I'm not mistaken, it went direct last month. So let's go to where Jupiter is at five degrees Taurus, which happened in February of 2012. Um, difference is in 2012, Jupiter was trining Pluto, all right, within its orb, Jupiter, and uh, when it was at five degrees um, Taurus, it was trining, um, Pluto in Capricorn at eight degrees. So that was just a three degree orb. So that's different. Uh, currently our Jupiter is going to be squaring Pluto because Pluto is at, Pluto is, uh, direct. It's gone direct. And it is going to be at zero degrees Aquarius on the 22nd of January. So Jupiter squaring Pluto. Jupiter in Taurus squaring Pluto in Aquarius. Pluto in Aquarius is that dawning of the age of Aquarius. It's going to be <laughs> a very interesting teeter-totter of totalitarianism and humanitarianism. Hopefully the humanitarianism will win and it won't be a blood bath, a blood bath like it was last time, but <sighs> humanity, I don't know. What are your thoughts on this Chandler? Well, we'll, we'll talk a lot more about Pluto in a little bit. Uh, mm -hmm. What does Jupiter and Taurus mean? What, what does Jupiter control and what would it mean for it to be in Taurus and then go into Gemini? Well, Jupiter rules Sagittarius. It also used to rule Pisces before they discovered Neptune. Jupiter ruled Sagittarius and Pisces, Sagittarius being the fire sign and Pisces being the water sign of Jupiter. Jupiter is benevolence. Jupiter rules the ninth house, which is spirituality, um, world travel, higher education, university education, spiritual education, dogma, luck, um, benevolence. Jupiter is a lot. Let's wherever Jupiter is transiting in your chart, it's going to create more. So if you have Jupiter, if you have planets in Taurus right now, Jupiter is conjuncting those planets that you have in Taurus or whichever house in your chart is ruled by Taurus. It's giving you a lot of that. Okay. Whatever it is for me, I have Taurus on my 10th house cusp, even though I have my son in the 10th house, which is at one degree Gemini, it's in my 10th house. And so Jupiter in Taurus, in my 10th house, should be very good for my career. It should be very good for um, my, I guess, I mean, 10th house is also like how the world sees you. 
Uh, so it could be very beneficial for marketing and things like that. Um, wherever it is. And, and Taurus represents money and values and valuables. It's ruled by Venus. So you start connecting all those things, or let's say you have, um, a measuring cup that has Jupiter in it, which is the benevolence and the intellect and the, the, um, higher education and world travel and all the things that Jupiter represents is in one measuring cup. All right. Then in another measuring cup, you have, um, Taurus and everything Taurus represents, right? Um, money, valuables, values, um, comforts, um, hard. It can be very hard work. And the opposite of that is very lazy. So you have all of these things in these different measuring cups and you pour them into the beaker of wherever your, your placements are. Like if you have Taurus on your 10th house, then you pour these into that, you know, does that make sense? A little bit. Okay. So they kind of affect, this is going to affect anything that is trining Taurus. So if you have anything in Capricorn or Virgo, all right, this Jupiter in Taurus is trining that, all right? So that's really good. That's very good. A trine is very good. A trine is easy. A trine doesn't require a lot of effort, you know? So it's just sort of a little gift. Um, but if you have things in Scorpio, which is opposing this Jupiter, whatever you have opposing this Jupiter transit is going to be affected. So oppositions and squares give you energy. All right. It doesn't necessarily, it's not necessarily negative. It can be negative, but it's really just about that intensity of the energy. So if you have Jupiter opposing whatever your Scorpio falls in or whatever planets you have in Scorpio, it's going to activate those and it's going to activate them big because it's Jupiter and Jupiter is huge. All right. Now, if you have something in Leo or Aquarius, it's going to square those. All right. So it is also going to lend energy to those. All right. If you have early degrees Saturn and Aquarius, this is going to activate your Saturn. It's going to bring lessons and it could also bring benefits because it's Jupiter. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Is that kind of helping? Do you have any questions about that? No, I think um, let's uh, go ahead and, and we'll take a, a look at last time that uh, Jupiter was in uh, Taurus going into Gemini. It's on a 12 year cycle. Mm -hmm. uh, so that means that every time that this happens um, is going to be an election year in the United States, 2012, mm -hmm. 2000, 1988. And um, what's also interesting is that these are all times in at least American history, maybe even more so than uh, other election cycles, where there is a choice between uh, really going with the status quo or uh, making some sort of change. Um, the uh, 2012 was a uh, incumbent election year. Uh, Obama was uh, 
uh, running again for a second term. Uh, 2000, Al Gore, who was the vice president, was uh, uh, running for uh, his first term, but really a continuation of the Clinton policies. And 88, also Vice President George Bush uh, was running um, to sort of continue the Reagan policies. Um, so uh, uh, that's very interesting in that sometimes it, it went the way of the status quo in terms of Bush and Obama, um, but uh, 2000 was a really interesting time uh, with the election and all of the uh, things going on in Florida and the hanging chads and uh, all of that. Um, also, uh, as with many other years, you're going to have uh, hurricanes. You're going to have um, all sorts of uh, uh, bad political events, but that's history. That's going to happen any year. Um, outside of, of those uh, elections, I don't have... Um, anything off the top of my head as to uh, uh, what um, certain things happened in, in these integral years. Uh, outside of, I mean, when you look at 88 and you look at 2000, uh, we were uh, uh, either had just gone through or about to go through huge monumental changes. In 88, the Cold War is about to end. It, I mean, Berlin Wall is going to come down November of 89. Mm -hmm. uh, 2000, it is the the millennium. The, we, we are now entering a, a, an entirely new epoch of American, of, of global human history um, with the switch over into... Um, the, the 21st century. Um, we, we survived Y2K. Um, uh, uh, it didn't end up being a, as big of a thing as, as we thought it may have been. Um, but these are sort of uh, uh, the major things going on. They're, they're decisions. They're, they're a, a clear choice um, being made in these uh, integral 12-year periods. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is, Earth is Earth is also about control. You know, Earth signs are are control. Taurus, Virgo, and Capricorn. Um, and when you have Jupiter, a very expansive, you know, freewheeling energy, um, sort of trapped in a Taurus or a Capricorn or a Virgo, Earth-bound kind of control, uh, it can be difficult. I think that when Jupiter gets to Gemini, it'll be more zoomy. <laughs> it'll be more, it'll certainly open up, you know, communication as we move through. Because in 2012, we started with Jupiter in Taurus. All right. And then by the time we did get to November, which you're talking about as election, um, you know, Jupiter was, uh, full-blown in Gemini on, what is it, November 2nd, Shannon? Uh, it's whatever that uh, second Tuesday The is. second Tuesday would have been the 6th. Okay, so the second Tuesday in November, Mercury was retrograde. I mean, um, Jupiter was retrograde in Gemini. Um, so that's dealing with past events. Let's see what it's going to be for this year. That seems like uh, having your planet going retrograde would be a, a, a good thing if you're an incumbent. Uh, if you're seeking another term, mm -hmm. uh, th that might be beneficial to you. It might be because it's dealing with the past. Retrograde deals with the past. 
things you have not completed with the past or accomplished from the past. It's hard so it to start a new thing <laughs> when your planet is in retrograde. It what? It's hard to start a new thing when the planet is in retrograde. That's true. You really don't want to start new things when the planets are in retrograde. So this year, the second Tuesday will be the 12th. So mm, on that the 12th. Sounds too f- hmm? That sounds too, maybe it's the first Tuesday. Because November 12th sounds too late to have an election. Let's find out. November yeah. 5th. Okay, so it's the first Tuesday, not yeah. the second Tuesday. Okay, so going back to 2012, first Tuesday, Jupiter was retrograde. All right, in on November 1st of 2012, Jupiter was retrograde. For this year, Jupiter will also be retrograde, and it will be on the 5th. Uh, retrograde at 20 degrees Gemini. And it does not go direct until, it doesn't go direct until next year after that. So very interesting. Um, and every 12 years, I mean, we have an election every four years. You know, right. But, but because 12 is a multiple of four, it just happens uh-huh. to be that whenever Jupiter is in Taurus going into Gemini, it also happens to be an election year in the United States. And it seems to be retrograde at that time. Mm-hmm. Every 12 years. So calculating that, I mean, there might be a pattern, you know. I mean, incumbents naturally have an advantage over um challengers Mm -hmm. Um, but it is interesting how when incumbents are going up in this cycle uh they tend to win Mm -hmm. um this year if things keep going the way that they seem to be going we're going to actually have two incumbents Mm -hmm. uh two men who have both been president of the united states so anything could happen um, also, don't use astrology as your main tool into understanding politics. Um, that's <laughs> no, not I'm what just we're doing here. Patterns. <laughs> that's, uh, that would be a, a, a not a smart thing to do. Mm-mm. Astrology makes a lot more sense than politics. Absolutely, astrology does make a lot more sense, and we can gather a lot of information. Like we could study, you know, these. Uh, for it would take a very long time for us to pull together enough information and understanding for each situation that would show a pattern. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, we can show a pattern in just these two 12 year periods, you know, but if we want to have a real more scientific evaluation of it, I'm sure we could find it, you know? Mm-hmm. All right. Do you want to keep going with other aspects of Jupiter or did you want to move to? Uh, Unless uh, there's uh, anything that's really speaking out to you uh, that we haven't covered already, I think uh, we might be ready for Saturn. Okay. So Saturn has a transit of 28 years and Saturn, um, Changes sign every two and a half to three years. 
Um, Saturn is Saturn and what Saturn rules. Saturn rules Capricorn, air, Aquarius, and it was Earth, Capricorn, right? So Saturn is, um, Saturn is considered a restrictive, but Saturn also gives you deep commitment. Saturn is longevity. Saturn is in for the long haul. Saturn is, um, Saturn is the glue that can hold a lot of things together. So if we look, um, at the last time Saturn, uh, was in Pisces, that would be what Chandler, what year would that be? Be 95. <laughs> Pretty sure that's 1995. Let's see. It might be 1994, but let's double check. <laughs> Uh, let's look at 94, just for interest sake. 1994. Saturn is moving. Yep, 1994. Saturn goes to zero degrees Pisces in January of 1994. And it stays in Pisces through 94. I'm just looking to see if it retrogrades back. It does not. It stays in Pisces all the way through 94 and 95 and into 96. I'm guessing. Here's 95. January of 95, Chandler. And um, going all the way through 95. Yep. And into early 96. So, uh, 94, 95 and 96 Chandler. What do you think? So, um, again, off the top of my head, myself being, uh, inclined towards American and political history, 94 is another election year. It's an off election year, uh, for the house. Um, and that is when, uh, uh, the Republicans took over the House for the first time in generations, and they had the contract with America and Newt Gingrich and all that mess uh, with Bob Dole and Gingrich and Clinton and um, w whether uh, that's just something that happened then, whether you believe that was a good thing or not. Um, uh, that uh, is an interesting thing to point out, especially... It, since it's in terms of uh, restrictions and challenges, the whole idea of the contract with America was restraining government spending. Um, so the fact that they came into uh, power for the first time in 50 years um, with this same thing in Saturn and Pisces and what that would have to do with challenges and work and, and especially restrictions uh, is very interesting to me. Um Let's see. So then we do the before 94, it would be oh, 66. Yeah. Yeah, it's got to be 65. I, let me look at 65. Yeah. So, so it really went in in late 64. All right. Late 64, because we're at one degree 
Saturn in Pisces in 65. Okay. And this is going to go all the way through 65, 66, and into 67. And Saturn in Pisces being, um, let's say Saturn in Capricorn would be super restrictive. You know what I mean? It's like a double dose of Saturn. It isn't like a double dose. It is a double dose. So um, that's very... Um, uh, being correct, being right, doing the right thing, unless you've got the dark side of Saturn and Capricorn, which would be manipulative and tricky. So <laughs> you have that. But Pisces is creative and dreamy and imaginary and watery. And so having Saturn in Pisces is more like lessons with your imaginative side, you know, or constructing with your imagination, creating with your imagination, manifesting with your imagination. You know what I mean? It's kind of mm -hmm. like that. So it's, it's way different. What's really interesting is when you go two steps back, you're in the mid-60s. You think of a time of creating with your imagination. Yeah. Um, the doors being wide open <laughs> uh, with, with uh, psychedelic and uh -huh. groovy and, you know, the Beatles and, and all that. And what's interesting is how it plays also with the restrictions because you look at, and again, I, I apologize, my main expertise is going to be American political history we're in the heart of the johnson administration so you have all of this legislation that's going through you have the civil rights bills you have um and vietnam and so you think about restrictions you think about challenges for the long haul the uh what happened because of the vietnam war and the great society programs affects the whole rest of the century um and all that is happening in this 64 to 67 time period. Um, and then I'm thinking the time before that is going to be somewhere around 36, 39. Um, that's, that's the Great Depression. And again, another huge shift in uh, uh, government programs and the role of government in people's lives and the WPA and the CCC and the alphabet soup of the New Deal. Mm -hmm. Um that that this seems to be this schedule uh, uh there's something uh there uh between mm -hmm. uh the, the the these 30 year cycles um maybe saturn and pisces has something to play with all that maybe so i mean saturn does also represent government capricorn represents government you know and and uh having pluto go through Capricorn, which it has done for the last 15 years, we have seen a very interesting, um, a, a, a very interesting situation with government because it also, we had, well, Saturn was, um, we just had Saturn in Aquarius. Okay. But before that we had Saturn for two and a half years in Capricorn, but we had Pluto in Capricorn and we still have one more dip back with Pluto in Capricorn um, 
We'll, we're, we'll get to Pluto. Right. But I'm just saying the combination and this whole situation with Saturn, Saturn does rule government as well. And then mm. having Pluto in Capricorn, which was ruled by Saturn. You know what I'm saying? That's the connection. Yeah. Uh, so uh, any other uh, thoughts on um, what does it mean for Saturn to be in Pisces? Honestly, I'm wondering if this Saturn in Pisces is not also helping because I know you want to look at just one, but they all work together, you know. So I'm wondering if this Saturn in Pisces is not assisting this Pluto in Aquarius with its movement into this really spiritual quest like there are a lot of people right now on a spiritual quest there's a lot of spirituality blending with humanitarian issues that are happening right now and i'm wondering if you have um information about the spiritual aspect of these time periods because i know that in 1965 we were doing the same kind of thing where it was you know, granted we were having psychedelics and stuff, but this was the time that we had just had in 1962, 1963, and into 1964 a little bit, if I'm not mistaken, Saturn was in Aquarius. So it's just an interesting dynamic with the humanitarian and the spiritual side of things. And the spiritual side of Pisces and manifesting from that spiritual dreamy side. Yeah, I think that um there must that there must be other things at play because when I think of 94 or even 36, I'm not necessarily seeing huge spiritual uh awakenings happening at this point. They're reevaluating things, um reevaluating uh, uh, our role with uh, all the institutions during this time. Um, but definitely in the 60s, you have, um, and especially coming from a, a uh, uh, the youth, um, this idea of challenging the status quo and challenging what, uh, you know, as they would say, the man and the system and the machine uh, is... Um, uh, telling you how you should live um and it's and it's across the board it's it's mm -hmm. top down bottom up the the um uh, all these uh different uh movements uh from civil rights to the women's movement is coming about at this time um and the chicano movement and the american indian movement all of these are starting to uh uh blossom at this time and especially in this 64 to 67 time period they're mm -hmm. all sort of united it's not until you get into 68 when things start to really fizzle out and break apart and fissure so um you have sort of a united front of establishment people who want things like the great society and the vietnam war and a united front of uh counterculture uh, who doesn't want, at least especially the Vietnam War, um, so that there's uh, that there's certainly more of a spiritual awakening that I would see uh, in in that time period than in the 
other two in the immediate past? Mm -hmm. For me, I do know that Saturn in Pisces is really good for manifesting things from the imagination. So if you have Saturn in Pisces, I think that you are very good at that. Any other thoughts on, on Saturn? So, no, I don't think I have anything else to say about that. All right. So let's see if I remember first grade science class. Next is Uranus. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Uranus, yes. And Uranus uh, stays in a particular sign for seven years. And its cycle is 84 years. Mm-hmm. 84 years. So 84 years ago is 1940. So let yes. me pull up 1940. 1940. And we're 14 degrees what? That's not right. Currently, Uranus is at 19 degrees Taurus. So Jupiter is going to go faster and it's going to conjunct Uranus. Let's see. Yeah, it's going to conjunct it by degree in April. No, wait, hold on. Yes, in April. Uh, Uranus will be at 21 degrees Taurus and Jupiter will be at 21 degrees Taurus. That, that should be very interesting for a lot of different things uh because that's mainly, also mainly not economy. not to get too much into spoilers but that spring is also when uh pluto goes into aquarius for good no we have one more year okay. we have one more retrograde of pluto but it does go direct in the spring well, Pluto is already going to go direct uh, right now in January. Pluto is at... Pluto is direct, but it's going to hit zero degrees at 20, on the 22nd of January. Okay. All right? But it's been direct since, I want to say, just, just recently, like last month, Pluto went direct. But it might have been November. I'll have to check. I don't keep tabs on... <laughs> It's that tightly. I depend on this ephemeris to find what I'm looking for. So, um, with that so said... So Uranus and Taurus last time was 1940? No, it doesn't show that. So, let me double check something. It should be 84 years. So it's not 1940. Because in 1940... Um, oh, no, it is right. Okay, that's fine. Yes. <laughs> but it's only 18 degrees. So currently we are at, okay, 19 degrees. So pretty much exactly where we are in 1940 was in March of 1940. Uranus. And can was you go back degrees. to uh, that first tab? Mm -hmm. Are you talking about this? No, the, the one with the planets. This one? Yes. So 
Uranus is in charge of community, innovative ideas, technology, and sudden changes. Uranus rules Aquarius. All right. So Uranus has to do with out of the blue things, you know, lightning, unexpected things. All right. And also um, futuristic things, meaning technology and ideas that are brand new uh, or a way of doing something that's brand new. And now when I think of Taurus, I think of stubborn. Stubborn. So maybe Uranus isn't necessarily at home in Taurus. No, I don't think so. <laughs> Uranus likes to move fast and Taurus is slow. Mm -hmm. And currently Uranus is retrograde right this minute, but it's going to go direct on the 27th of January. So any uh, other thoughts about um, Uranus and Taurus before we kind of look into the historical aspects? Well, depending on where your Taurus placements are in your chart, if you have Taurus planets, if you have Taurus whatever house it's in, um, you have been experiencing out of the blue things for quite some time now because Uranus is already, you know, 18, 19 degrees in Taurus. So this is not new for you and it's going to be there for a while longer. So there, there comes a place like when, um, when a planet changes signs, you will have that initial oomph, that initial, you should have that initial change. You'll feel the energy change, you know, as it continues to move through, even though the same dynamics are happening, you, you sort of develop, um, a pace with it. And if you're not fighting it, then you will move through whatever lessons that as the narrative says, we choose when we're born. So we choose our chart. So we've chosen our lessons and our chart is like a blueprint of the things we're supposed to learn and accomplish in this lifetime. Right? So if you're working with it instead of fighting it, cause your initial, your initial reaction for some of these trances, it's going to be, Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> What's this? This is different. I don't like different. I just got used to the last one, you know? So with this in mind, you, you will, you should be at a pace with this Uranus and Taurus, but Jupiter transiting Jupiter is going to conjunct, uh, transiting Taurus in April. So whatever you're dealing with, with your Taurus aspects, whether it's a square like to Leo or Aquarius, opposition with Scorpio or conjunction with whatever's in Taurus, be prepared that in April, it's going to be even bigger. It's going to be really big because it will be conjuncting it by degree. What so, have you got for Uranus in history? So looking at this, I, I went ahead and did four. So mm -hmm. we've got 1940, mm -hmm. 1856, mm -hmm. 1772. Mm -hmm. uh, now what's interesting again about 1940 and 1856, those are both presidential election years here in the United States. Mm -hmm. So that uh, hits up 
with a lot of the other things that we've noticed here, mm-hmm. um, all coming together. Um, also, and again, we're just doing a, a, a little thing here. Uh, there's no, the, the, we're, we're not necessarily saying anything uh, huge is going to happen. Um, we're, we're not trying to uh, uh, worry people, but these are all times when there is a major conflict that's about to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, in 1940, most of the world is already involved in World War II. Mm-hmm. Um, the United States would get in at the end of the next year. 1856, we have Bleeding Kansas. We have the Kansas-Nebraska Act. We have, um, uh, in, in many places, the Civil War has already started in the United States. Um, but in just a few more years, it will actually engulf the entire nation. 1772, the American Revolution is about to happen, which is also interesting, as uh, we'll get into a few uh, planets later with Pluto. The last time Pluto was in its major place was around the time of the American and French Revolutions. So these are happening all, it's sort of, all these uh, in the pa- in the past have been the lead up to mm-hmm. major conflicts. Um, and that doesn't necessarily mean that, that there's going to be one. It just means that uh, uh, major changes can happen uh, without conflict, and uh, hopefully that, that is the case. What's also, when you uh, thinking of the struggle between sudden changes and the stubbornness of Taurus, uh, war does sort of make sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have a lot of sudden changes in war, but there is always this continual marching of the conflict. It, none of these sudden changes necessarily upend everything right then. There is this, it, it takes years for these uh, conflicts to end. Um, that seems like a very interesting sort of uh, um, uh, melding of those two uh, principles of uh, technology, sudden changes. Meanwhile, in Taurus, uh, st- uh, their struggle, but but stubborn and consistent, mm-hmm. um, consistency and disruption at the same time. That that is um, uh, uh, interesting. That war kind of fits into all of that. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Any other uh, thoughts about Uranus? Well, I I feel that as we move through um, Uranus, uh, what I'm trying to get to is when Uranus moves out of Taurus and moves into a uh, Gemini. Um. That's when things are really going to start cooking as far as like Pluto changes. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Things are really going to heat up at that point. And we should have some idea of direction and how um, things are going to go. And that's not going to happen until, let me look at 2026. 2026, maybe? 2026. Let's see what that looks like. Because that's going to be a lot of air. 
See, in 2026, Pluto, January 2026, Pluto is only going to be, maybe it might be 2027. Nope, it's 2026. So in April of 2026, Uranus is going to go to zero degrees, Gemini. We're going to be feeling it before that. Um, We'll be feeling it probably feeling it start to feel it in 2025 but that's going to be a very interesting time to have uranus trining pluto that's going to be very interesting in air with pluto and aquarius and uranus and gemini well i think uh we're ready to move on to neptune okay currently we have neptune at 25 degrees Pisces. Neptune is a 13 to 15 year cycle. 165 years. So. Uh, 1859. <laughs> uh-huh. So the last time Neptune was in Pisces. And I. It's going to be before 1859 because uh, it's already been in there for a while. So let's go to like 1841. Let's see what that looks like. Because, yeah, see, it's already at 13 degrees. But where it is right this second, right, right this minute on January 2nd, 2024, as we read record this even though it's not coming out until friday um neptune is at 25 degrees so let's go to 18 what did you say it was chandler 1859 oh okay let's see yeah i had just gone back to when it went into it you know what i mean to get an idea 1859 neptune was at 22 degrees and currently we're at 25 degrees. So that would have been in Feb March of 1859. March of 1859 is exactly where Pluto was in Pisces at 25 degrees the last time. So what are some of the things about Neptune and Pisces? I'm thinking they're both watery, right? Well, so Neptune they, rules Pisces. So Neptune... So they're kind of at home. Yeah, Neptune is at home in Pisces. It's 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 very... Uh, but see, Neptune also makes things unclear. Neptune makes things... Uh, like you're looking at something through a mist or it's blurry. It's not necessarily your imagination plays a lot into what's happening. Neptune in Pisces is of course, extremely creative, extremely imaginative, um, spiritual. It is psychic. It is, um, empathetic. It is emotional. So it's all of these things and Neptune rules Pisces. Now, Pisces used to be ruled by Jupiter before they discovered Neptune. But the aspects of Neptune are imaginary. Now, also, 
if you consider the length of time that Neptune is in a particular sign and you look at, I mean, I mean, I guess people have always been addicted, but the dark side is addictions, drug abuse, alcoholism, insanity. I mean, Neptune can make you crazy or Neptune uh, represents that, you know, um, Neptune rules the 12th house, which is institutions, prisons, hospitals, insane asylums, all of those things. And it's karma, you know, 12th house karma. So having it in Pisces in its home placement, sort of, uh, intensifies all of that, you know, if you have Neptune in something like Virgo, that can be good in that it's the same as having Saturn in Pisces, just different. You know, it's a manifestation of creativity. It is not necessarily a comfortable placement for Neptune to be in Virgo or Capricorn or, you know, these these placements that want control, you know, because Neptune is out of control, not Uranus way, because Uranus doesn't want any control. Uranus throws off any kind of boundaries. Um, Earth signs want control. They need control to feel safe and, 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 and they need their things to be in control. <laughs> so, having Neptune, Neptune is out of control, but like a drunk person or a high person, you know what I mean? The thoughts are not in control. They are driven by imagination and conceptual ideas, you know, mm -hmm. if that makes any sense. It's, it's, it's out of control, but out of control veiled. Like you don't know, like you are on a roller coaster in the dark. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. You, you don't know what's happening. You know, you're on a roller coaster and you know, you're in the dark, but you have no idea really what's around you, you know? So what you're telling me is that 2024 is going to be like Space Mountain, and I'm all for that. Space <laughs> Mountain's one of my favorites. It's already been like Space Mountain, because we're already at, you know, we've been feeling this for a while. We're at 24 degrees Neptune in Pisces, so we've been, we're, we're, we're in the groove for this. So, looking uh, at, at our, our major, uh, the last time that Neptune was in this same position in Pisces. Uh, we have 1859 and 1694. Now, at first glance, when you think of 1859, uh, coming at it from an American perspective, uh, there's a big uh-oh, um, <laughs> especially combined with uh, the, the last time Uranus was in Taurus was 1856. Um, that, that was the precipice of, of a major uh, conflict. Um, but, uh, uh, while that is the case that, um, 
1859 in America that was going on. And a lot of other places, major conflicts have just ended. Uh, like the Crimean War, that has ended um, for a few years. There's sort of a status quo that's building um, and will remain so uh, in Europe, at least, uh, for another 20 or so years until you get the Franco-Prussian conflicts. Um, uh, then looking at uh, 1694, um, that would be the time, uh, two times before that uh, Neptune was in Pisces. This is also a time where conflicts are ending and we have a consolidation of, of power. Um, in England, uh, we have William and Mary uh, who uh, come to the throne. They are invited to the throne by the Parliament, uh, William of Orange. Um, and uh, uh, so the Civil War is 20, 30 years in the past. Um, Charles has come back, but Charles was thinking maybe he liked being Catholic and uh, the people uh, in the English Parliament weren't too uh, on board with all that. So then uh, by 1689, William and Mary come and uh, they are from the Netherlands and they become uh, the uh, monarchs of uh, England. Uh, but uh, outside of uh, some uh, conflicts in uh, Ireland, um, it is a, a mostly uh, peaceful reign and uh, we uh, they are well thought of uh, by many people in England and in the colonies in Virginia. Uh, they developed the College of William and Mary after them. Um, also, in France, it's kind of the exact opposite, whereas in England, they are solidifying with the uh, English Bill of Rights, and uh, they're uh, solidifying that Parliament is um, really uh, more in control of the king and that the king has to obey the laws. Um, in France, Louis XIV is in charge. So we have the time, he is the sun king. We have, um, uh, Versailles and, uh, everything that goes along with, uh, uh, Louis XIV's opulence and absolute power. He has the divine right of kings. Um, so he is sort of solidifying all of that during his reign in France. And it's sort of setting up the major conflicts that we'll see in the early modern era going through the 1700s uh, when you get to the end of the 1700s and all the revolutions that occur. It is because of these two modes of thinking that are really established in the 1690s. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, uh, there's a lot more um, philosophical things going on in this time period. We're also at the very beginning of the Enlightenment. Uh, coffee houses, uh, Rousseau, um, uh, uh, the, there's a lot of scientific discovery going on in the 1690s, as there is in 1859. Um, so uh, uh, while uh, at first glance it might make one shudder that we have so much uh, going on uh, uh, that is similar to what was happening right before the bloodiest conflict in American history. Um, there are other things going on philosophically and spiritually that let's uh, uh, look forward to them uh, and, and uh, maybe our conflicts will be in uh, the arena of thought and philosophy more than actual bloodshed. Very, very, very interesting. All right. I think uh, we are ready for Pluto. Okay. Pluto. Pluto is the planet 
that. And uh, in case Neil deGrasse Tyson is listening, we are saying that Pluto is a planet. <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> um, because if Chiron can be a mini planet, Pluto can be a mini planet too. And, you know, for the size of Pluto in the distance, let me assure you, it packs quite a wallop. And I can verify that with anyone who has lived through the last 15 years with any aspects to Capricorn. Whether you have opposition, you have planets in Cancer, you have a square, which means you have planets or aspects in Libra or Aries, or if it was conjuncting anything in your chart that was in Capricorn, you went through an enormous metamorphosis. Because Pluto in Capricorn is not um, a mild transit. And that was very intense. So if you have an understanding of where you have Cancer placements, where you have Aries Libra placements, and where your Capricorn placements are, you are very familiar. <laughs> or you know people who went through some pretty intense things. So with that said, Pluto in Aquarius. Um, let's, uh, let's go back to our tab with the, uh, with the planets. Okay, so the first time Pluto went into Aquarius last was in 1777. Okay. Yeah, well, I still want to see the, the thing with the planets. Oh, this. You want to see this? Yes. yes. Okay. So we're on a 284-year cycle. Ish. Ish. Because it can stay, because of the way it orbits, it orbits like in an oval. So depending on how that orbit is working, it could be in a, a, a sign for 12 or up to 20 years. This cycle, the last one was, I think, 15. It was in Capricorn for 15. And now it's going to be in Aquarius for 20. So uh, Pluto rules um, Scorpio. So it is the death and rebirth power, uh, sexual uh, aspects and also taboo aspects, death and rebirth being transformation. So with it in Aquarius, Pluto in Aquarius, it's going to transform humanitarian and or totalitarian issues. It's going to transform technology, uh, new ideas. If you think about the things that happened starting in 1777, right? So we're already past the American Revolution by then, but it had been... Well, no, we're not. Well, you know what I mean. I mean, we've declared... I mean, we're, 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 we're past the, the beginning, right. we've but declared we're nowhere near the end. Independence. Um, but but we, yeah. we've, we've written a piece of paper. Right. That's what we've done in 1777. In, There's still yes. a lot of fighting to go. Okay. So 1777, let me go here, 1777, you can see this, right? Yes. Okay. So in 1777, Pluto has retrograded back, which is where we're coming out right now, but we still have one more retrograde to go before we're full 
into Pluto and Aquarius. Okay. So in 2024, uh, Pluto is going to move forward. All right. It goes to zero degrees Aquarius on January 22nd, but we are in the orb and we are moving direct now. Okay. Because, uh, it went direct, I think in January. I mean, in, in December, I'm sorry, November, December. I can't remember. I'll look it up in a minute, but, um, we're going to move forward. And this year, like last year, last year, we went to one degree Aquarius before we hit retrograde this year, we're going to get to two degrees Aquarius before we get to retrograde. It goes retrograde on May 3rd. All right. And it stays retrograde and it goes all the way back to 29 degrees Capricorn. All right. That's going to hit on September 2nd. Then we're going to have this last transit of Pluto in Capricorn go through until it goes direct in October. All right. And then finally comes out of Capricorn in November. All right. Once we get to November 20th, 2024, we are done with Pluto retrograding into Capricorn and we are full blown all steam ahead. Pluto and Aquarius. Pluto and Aquarius is, this is the dawning of the age of Aquarius. So we're going to have a lot of innovative ideas, thoughts, inventions, technology. Um, I think that the spiritualism goes with the humanitarianism in that there's going to be a revolution of ideas in possibly concepts of science and spiritualistic ideas coming together. And the other side of that is possibly, you know, revolution and, um, you know, a, a very intense fight for humanity. Which the time period covers uh, two major examples, because the American and the uh, French revolutions both happened the last time Pluto was in Aquarius. Yes. Um, one towards the beginning, one towards the end of Pluto being in Aquarius. Um, uh, and that those two kind of set up uh, much like how previously I just said that um, uh, William of Orange and Louis the Fourteenth have two different modes of governing, and that's what's going to be uh, uh, in conversation with each other going into the early modern era, going into the modern era of the 19th and 20th centuries is how do you do a revolution um, following the American or the French model? Um, and uh, many people will discover, at least, uh, 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 the, that the French one isn't ideal. Um, you know, there are a lot of things that needed to be, uh, uh, changed there, but maybe they went a little too far in some other areas. Um, you know, uh, lopping people's heads off, uh, uh, rearranging, uh, how you measure time and days and years, uh, all of that, uh, maybe gone a little too far in that direction only to 
you go so far and then all you have left is you need some strong man authoritarian to rein in everything uh which is what um uh, uh napoleon ends up doing uh and getting rid of a lot of the tenets of what they thought they were fighting for they were fighting against a monarch and they get napoleon who proclaims himself an emperor <laughs> that's a problem totalitarianism i'm telling you but uh with uh the thought in mind of this being 2024 is more akin to 1777 uh well now we are in the midst of a conflict in the united states uh we have a piece of paper that says that we're free but um the army uh is falling apart uh, we are in the winter of our discontent mm-hmm. um the uh, valley forge um the uh, now is the time where principles are tested in America in 1777. Um, we've proclaimed ourselves independent. Now can we win our independence? At the same time, uh, the colonies are, are tearing each other apart because you only have uh, 30% of the people who are fully behind this revolution. And you have 30% of the people who are uh, soundly against the revolution. And then you have the 30% in the middle who don't really know what to do and are just going to go along to get along. Um, and when you get to places like South Carolina, you have uh, this war um, tearing brother against brother. It's a, it's a virtual civil war going on yeah. uh, in the midst of this uh, war for independence. Yeah. So there's a great struggle that's happening in the colonies. Uh, just because uh, uh, we have our, our piece of paper that's wonderfully written um, doesn't mean that we're actually free yet. It'll take years. Uh, it'll take all the way until 1783 uh, for America to actually gain its independence. Um, before that, we had... Pluto in Aquarius in 1532. Yes. Which is now, that's another time. And, and you know, uh, uh, we're doing the best that we can here, but the things that really make it into the history books are all the conflicts and the wars. Right. Uh, we, we've done a pretty good job over the last uh, 75 years of um, trying to find other ways of, of uh, resolving conflicts without killing each other. Uh, it doesn't work all the time, and we still kill each other way too much. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, back in the 1500s, you just that was that was square one was start killing each other. <laughs> uh, so uh, in the 1530s, we have uh, the wars of the Reformation, uh, the Catholics and the Protestants. That's what's going on uh, in the Western uh, civilization. Um, that there are, uh, and again, we are, I am limited in my knowledge of, uh, uh, focusing on, on Western civilization and the United States history. Um, that's just what I'm doing most of this off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. So, uh, if we, uh, went really in depth, we could find out which dynasty of China we're in and what's going on there and, uh, uh, all the things. I mean, the 1530s, you're also in the age of exploration. So there's um, yes. all the conquistadors who are going to uh, uh, what we now know of as Mexico and South America and the Caribbean and uh, the double-edged sword. There's these uh, the uh, cultures that are being introduced to each other, um, but many of that introduction is being done by the point of a bayonet um, and lots of diseases happening uh, in the Western Hemisphere. 
but there there's this uh you also have the Colombian exchange of spices and uh, uh uh foods and uh all sorts of animals and things that neither side had ever seen before right. uh are are being introduced so the, there's a a lot of uh different ideas um and and commodities that are being exchanged uh along with all of the uh conflict and bloodshed right and we 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 have just left the renaissance right and now we're, yeah we're we're, we're the, the, there's still a few guys with some renaissance ideas out there but um yeah we're 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 uh really entering the the early modern era where we're entering this is when um elizabeth uh comes to the throne uh-huh is around this time mm-hmm. uh shakespeare is writing uh uh Around this time, he might be writing just a little bit later. Uh, Fifteen thirty might still be a little early, but he—I think he's alive, right? But I just find that it's interesting that we've just left, you know, the Renaissance and we're moving into the Reformation and the Enlightenment. You know, mm-hmm. very interesting because when you think about, um. I mean, we're looking at what is considered the early modern era, which is mm-hmm. based on new concepts, new ideas, new technology, you know? Very interesting. I'm curious, like, what technology uh, came during this period? Well, I mean, the major thing uh, happened in the previous era when when the, the printing press was entered towards the end of the 1400s uh-huh. and that's when everything catches on um uh, uh, that's how you can distribute all of these crazy ideas that Martin Luther has or John Calvin or um you can do it fast and uh, much faster than monks in a monastery writing it by hand mm-hmm. um so that also distributes knowledge faster. But again, these are all things that happened a little before this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would imagine that the major uh, humans being humans, the major uh, 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 things that are going on uh, technology-wise are, are going to be in warfare. Uh, new types of cannons and muskets and um, ships. Um, looking at some of the things, uh, we already have flushing toilets. This is good. <laughs> I'm going to say a major a major issue was 1568 when bottled beer was invented. All right. Very important. And uh, moving forward, we have thermometers in 1593. I mean, I'm not seeing any humongous. In 1620, we have a human-powered submarine. That's very good. We have a blood transfusion in 1625. I think more in the 1600s things started to pick up a little bit. Right. We're we're still um we're we're entering the era, but really you're you're not getting into true enlightenment stuff until the 1600s. Uh-huh. Uh so right now we um we're really in 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 western Europe we're just really angry and and killing each other. <laughs> Over uh, transubstantiation, uh-huh. whether you believe that uh, communion uh, actually 
is the body of Christ or not. Um, oh, and they no. just killed each other by, by hundreds of thousands <laughs> for years, for years and years. Uh-huh. That's what we're doing right now. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so let me look at... It doesn't look like Pluto stayed in Aquarius for very long that particular time. But um, let's see. We're looking at moving from... Uh, it's at 21 degrees in 1547. So maybe, you know, we didn't really have 1550. Let me look at 1550. 1550. Yeah, Pluto's at 25. So it moves about two degrees per year. So like 1558 was probably moving into... Yeah, it had already gone. So to fit like 1556, 57. So what are the major things that you think happened during those times? As opposed to us coming out of the American Revolution and the French Revolution differences. Well, I think um, of this time period... Uh, you have what's happening uh, on the continent of Europe is um, the exchange of ideas, uh, whether pe- actually all around the world, you have ideas that are being exchanged um, and conflict coming because of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have in Western Europe, the uh, wars of the Reformation uh, that are happening Um uh, you have the very early beginnings of the uh, uh, the uh, uh, Enlightenment, um, but uh, really it's not until uh, – because I, I was wrong. Shakespeare was born later in the 1560s. Right. Um, but there's still some great art and, and things that are being produced uh, during this time period, of course. Um, but also looking around the world, you have – Europe starting its um, expansion into the new world, into, uh, uh, you know, the, the Incas and the Mayans and the Aztecs and uh, the Native Americans uh, that are in uh, Canada and uh, the Iroquois and all of that. I mean, by, I think, the 1580s is when the English start showing up in Roanoke. Um, uh, but before that, the French and the Spanish had... Uh, had their uh, drithers in uh, all of North and South America mm-hmm. um, and Asia. And, fi- you know, th- this is the age of exploration, figuring out how you can go. I think Magellan is around this time. So circumnavigating the globe, um, rounding the horn of South America and the horn of Africa, um, uh, finding these uh, new ways to get to India uh, uh, and, and the, uh, things and commodities that are exchanged there, that there's, uh, literally a whole new world that's being opening up, uh, uh, to everyone. Whether people are enjoying, uh, their new neighbors or not, um, the, the world is becoming smaller, uh, in this 1530s to 1560s time period. Um, so that, that's, um, very interesting. I mean, we already feel right now in 2024 that our world is is pretty small. Uh, it, it fits in our pocket. Mm-hmm. Um, what what could possibly happen over the next 15 years to 
uh, equal the the um, the world getting even smaller and us uh, getting to know even more about each other. Mm-hmm. Um, who knows? Yeah, it's going to be a very interesting transit. Uh, I I I hope <laughs> it doesn't end up being gruesome. Uh, I prefer that it's not gruesome. I mean, maybe we'll see. We'll see how far we've come as humanity, as a species. You know, mm-hmm. we will see. But I mean. These are our outer planets. All the other planets move much faster and change much quicker. So these are the ones that we can look at and kind of glean a little bit of what's happened in the past so that we might be able to gauge some aspects of the future. Uh, That particular transit in the 1500s went from 1533 to 1553 so it does look like whenever pluto is in aquarius it does take 20 years so there it is yeah um yeah i think you know uh take take all this with a a grain of salt um we we are not necessarily uh hey you know nostradamus uh, uh, was such a great uh, predictor of the future <laughs> because most of the things he predicted were about war and famine. Yes. Um, so uh, when you predict war and famine, uh, <laughs> it looks like you're a genius um, because that that's what humans do to each other. Mm. Um, but still, when you look at... We're in conflict with each other all the time. But when you look at these certain cycles that we're in um, astrologically... These are not uh, petty conflicts. These are conflicts of major ideas Mm -hmm. that then set forth a cycle that lasts 20, 30, 100, 200 years. Right. Just set it into motion. So, uh, you know, we're not, we're not saying, uh, uh, the, we're not predicting doomsday or, or go find, uh, your grandparents, uh, uh fallout shelter. Um, just saying <laughs> no. that, uh, the, that there are major ideas that may, uh, come into contact and, uh, co- hopefully just conversation with each other, uh, and that, uh, some sort of resolution might be made of, uh, these conflicting ideas that will then set in forth, uh, uh, something, uh, that will last generations. Um, that's, I think, the major takeaway here. That may happen uh, at, at at the point of a bayonet, or it may uh, happen uh, by people commenting on uh, Facebook uh, and uh, social media. Who knows? We don't know. Um, we're not claiming that we do know. We're just saying, hey, isn't it interesting <laughs> um, that the that the last time these planets were around uh, these same places was World War II and the Civil War and the American Revolution. Uh, how cool is that? Right. That's, that's what we're saying. Right. Here. It's just a comparison. Um, and also, yeah. I would like to hope, I'm just hoping, that we as a species have grown and that power to the people means, you know, we are just together as a people. The issue and the reason these things keep repeating themselves is because we as a people allow ourselves to be painted into corners and then we get so cranky because we're tired of being in the corner that we rebel with 
a lot of passion and murder. <laughs> That's not good. This is bad. And I don't think that, I mean, we have enough to deal with in the world with disease and everything else. So I say, let's, you know, try to intellectualize this. That's what, you know, that's what Aquarius is, intellectualism. So let's try that. Uh, well, I think uh, that concludes this um, uh, very uh, different and interesting <laughs> episode of History in Retrograde. I would like to thank you all so much for listening. Um, as always, if uh, you uh, would like to reach out, we have all sorts of uh, uh, ways to do that in the show description, uh, social media, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Uh, we have uh, episodes from our first season up there uh, for you to actually look and follow along. If you could like and uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel, that'd be great. Also, if you're listening to this on Spotify or Apple, if you could give us a uh, rating, you know, five stars. This is a podcast all about stars. So we'd love to have five star rating and a uh, review if possible um also uh if you would like to be your very own mystery history guest we can make that happen just email chandler's mom at history and mom can get with you about all the details on how to make that happen absolutely i look forward to it and you can find us anywhere on the internet just by going to our website which is www.historyandretrograde.com and you can email me directly from there and i look forward to meeting you and chatting with you and working on your transits for this year or doing charts for children or pets or that significant other someone and um, I look forward to all the time that we can spend together thank you all so much for being there it is so lovely we're in our fourth season we are moving right along Chandler Yes, we are right into this uh, new year, 2024. Thank you all so much for listening. As always, in conclusion, as long as your houses are in order and the stars are aligned, everything will be just fine. Everything is going to be just fine. Thank you so much for listening. We love you. Bye-bye. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Salile Creek Studios.